0: this fucking guy hello my strawberry jelly beans welcome to this fucking guy a podcast about self care if self-care is one long scream into the void here is where we use expletives and alcohol to emotionally process the creeps
1: jerks and dick weasels that compose the shitty elevator music of our lives
0: I'm coughing into my elbow, Ren Martinez. And I am already out of toilet
1: paper, Ginger Golub.
0: How you doing, Ginger? Real bad, Ren.
1: <laughs> I am doing real bad. I have some things to scream into the void
0: before you even ask. Oh goodness. Well, I mean, obviously, I I hear that there's something going around. Mm. So you just know, li- oh, wait, oh, is it just a little spring <laughs> cold? Is it? You know, just um. You know, it's. I definitely joked with my sister about going to visit her this weekend, being like, it's going to be like that poster of The Walking Dead, where one side of the highway is just abandoned cars, and then it's just going to be <laughs> on the other with a horse just trying to get yeah. to you. Um, well, of course,
1: you will be the most popular auntie if you have a horse. Oh, just the coolest yes. TT to
0: ever exist. Yes. TT horse. <laughs> TT horse, of course. I am the TT horse. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so we're gonna, I guess, blithely skip over onto, you you got anything to scream into the void? Yeah,
1: as I drag us back into the depths (laughs) of coronavirus, dear listeners, I am planning a fucking wedding for a month from now, and I just want you all to... Just dig deep into your empathy stores and, like, I don't know, give some to me. Light a candle or some fucking thing. Because this was not anything I had planned for.
0: Well, I don't think anyone can plan for that. Again, it's like, so, uh, a dude I knew in high school, um, he was going to get married in a hotel. And, like, a month before, the hotel burned down. Like, just the The whole hotel. Yep, yep, yep. Um... And then I I, did, I definitely remember reading several Reddit posts about people who had to cancel their weddings for uh, hurricanes that yeah. had, you know, wasted their whole town. So there's no planning that, you know, when you go to the Knot and start yeah. putting in your yeah. yeah. mains yeah. and talking about the venues, there's never like... And also, in case of apocalyptic event. Yeah, but I think that there are some people that buy wedding insurance... Can we get the rapture insurance? Is that something? I mean, I'll still be here if everybody else gets (laughs) rapture. I know, right? I'm still here. I'm just, I'll take all your stuff. Yep, yep, yep,
1: yep. So, that said, I think it might be some time for some therapy. God is blessed. It's time for therapy. Mm, Let's get to it. Okay. I think I know uh, because last week we ended on a on a cliffhanger. Yeah. Um, so why don't you continue telling me
0: about noted fucking guy, <laughs> Mike Bloomberg? So yeah, it continues to be a a very depressing week for me. I've pretty much given up on the Democratic establishment. We have learned nothing and never will. Nope, nope, nope. Uh, And obviously we're preparing for the uh, apocalypse, like literal zombie outbreak. As you do. So, yeah. But at least the worst will not include Mike Bloomberg as president. So there's there's some hope. Silver lining. In part one of this uh, very depressing and infuriating tale... I talked about Mike Bloomberg's humble origins, how he scrapped by with only $10 million after uh, his payout, and launched a billion-dollar business, a business he made sure was staffed with competent, confident women who he made wear short skirts mm. in order to get promotions. Mm. Yeah. But now we're on to the next leg of Mike's journey, the very start of his political career. Oh boy. In 2001, Mayor Rudy Giuliani, a man with two different sets of human teeth, <laughs> was not eligible for re-election. <laughs> I knew you'd like that. The position as New York City Mayor is unsurprisingly very popular, and several well-known politicians were chomping at the bit to replace him. Bloomberg, a lifelong Democrat, decided to become a member of the Republican Party, specifically to run as mayor on a Republican ticket. So clearly, a man of strong beliefs and true convictions. Yes, he he changed his his, uh, party literally right before he announced his
1: bid for mayor. I'm gonna have to open another White Claw. (laughs) I know that we're two
0: minutes in. So Bloomberg faced off against Herman Badillo, a former congressman, for the GOP nomination. In the primary race, Bloomberg talked about his fortune, but only in context with his humble roots. Saying he came to New York City with debts and a dream. I'm also not going to talk about what debts looked like in, what, 1978? Oh, it's God. like, oh my goodness, this $500 for my entire education. Ah, oh. I had an overdue library book. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, of course, again, like getting laid off with $10 million. It's like, oh no, hmm. poor Mikey. Mr. Badio, on the other hand, spent much of his campaign portraying Mr. Bloomberg, who was already goddamn 59 at the time, in 2001. How? He's old as fuck. I mean, I can do that math, but also, how old? What? Yes. he was. This man was
1: 60 years old. This explains some things, because Michael Bloomberg, to me, looks like sort of a normal-looking, I would say, 55-year-old man, but with the face having slid down about two (laughs) inches on the skull from where it would normally be placed. Like when
0: you go to a Halloween mask shop and they have them on, like, the dummy heads, but this one has slid down, you know, it doesn't fit quite right. Yeah, it's like he's had work done, and that's fine. That face is intact. It's just... Lower on his skull by about two inches. I'm immediately thinking of, uh, Men in Black, where, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio pulls his face back, like, <laughs> there, is that better? Because, Jesus. Um, so he said Mr. Bloomberg was unfit for the city's highest office because he had no experience in governing. Which is a valid fucking point. Yeah. <laughs> he also accused the billionaire of damaging the very fabric of democracy. As Bloomberg was using his personal wealth to finance his mayoral campaign. Now, now
1: remind me, because I made a lot of jokes between the beginning and end of that sentence. Who is accusing him of this?
0: Uh, the dude Rightly? who's trying to get the GOP nomination. Oh, okay. Uh, although New York City's public campaign finance laws restricts the size of contributions which a candidate can accept, Bloomberg didn't use public campaign funds, and he used his own personal multi-billion-dollar fortune. In a campaign finance statement that he released mid-primary, Bloomberg reported spending $20 million, which was 50 times more than Mr. Badillo had managed. I'm sure this is a one-off, not terrible foreshadowing Mm. for the future. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Voting in the mayoral primary began on a bright autumn morning in September. September 11th, 2001. Oh, no. To be exact. Oh, no. Naturally, due to events, the primary was postponed, but in the end, Bloomberg became the Republican nominee. In the general election, Bloomberg won the endorsement of Giuliani, whose reputation post-9-11 was golden, sweet, beautiful. It wasn't until much later oh, yeah. that the nut bar emerged. Yeah. This was before the dementia and late-stage syphilis <laughs> <set in. laughs> You just love late-stage syphilis. You're always calling them out, being like, you fucker. I know everything's cheese up in there. What can I say? I, I call a shanker a shanker. <laughs> so uh, Bloomberg spent $73 million of his own money on his campaign, outspending the Democratic candidate 5 to 1, which comes out to roughly a 100 bucks for each vote he would eventually receive. Mm. Bloomberg was not only the Republican candidate, but he also had the ballot line of independence. So under New York's fusion rules they have this they have these rules called electoral fusion and what that means is that a candidate can run on more than one party's line and then you combine all the votes received on those party lines okay so like let's say you are you know Judy Dench and you're running for a Democratic nomination in New York mm-hmm. but you also have the American Socialist Party yeah have you down as their candidate so then you combine all of those votes. I mean, the American Socialist Party's been voting dench for years. I know. I mean, they're not voting anywhere else. Um, so not only was he the Republican nominee, Bloomberg was also the ballot line of the Independence Party. That independence, like multiple independent, like independence as Independence Day. Mm. As in, today we celebrate our mm. Independence Day. You ever heard of them? No. After he received their endorsement, Bloomberg offered each of the five county organizations of the Independence Party $5,000, which all but one accepted. Hmm. The, f- hmm. the following year, the New York City Industrial Development Agency approved an $8.7 million bond to help finance a new headquarters for a youth charity controlled by Fred Newman and Lenore Fulani, who were prominent leaders of the Independence Party in a move that was characterized as a reward from Mayor Bloomberg. And so this guy, Fred Newman, is somebody who I did not know and apparently will have to do an episode on, because not only was he a leader in the Independence Party, he was an avowed Marxist, given to anti-Semitic ravings, and the inventor of a form of psychotherapy that encouraged patients to have sex with him or with one another, a practice he dubbed friendosexuality. Oh, boy, this sounds
1: like every guy I dated in college.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Mm. Mm -mm. Mm. It only only Mm. makes logical sense that to work through your trauma, you have sex with me. What a weird set of Venn diagrams for people (laughs) to land on him as like. Party leadership. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to the election. As we know, Bloomberg secured victory in that mayoral election. It also marked the first time in New York City's history that two different Republicans had been elected mayor consecutively. New York City isn't really known for electing Republicans, so it yeah. was something to note. What? D- d- now, and this this may be
1: something sort of outside your purview and something you choose to delete, and that's fine. Why the fuck did
0: he run as a Republican and not a Democrat if he was a lifelong Democrat? I don't actually know the answer to that, but I'm going to guess it's because uh, he knew he could get support from Wall Street. Kind of the same reason Trump ran as a Republican <laughs> rather
1: than. I don't know, whatever the fuck... Because he's rich. Yeah.
0: That's the reason. That's my reason. Bloomberg would continue running for and being elected as mayor of New York City. He was reelected in New- November 2005 by a margin of 20%, the widest margin ever for a Republican mayor of New York. Did you say widest or whitest? Both. Okay. <laughs> Both. Porque no los dos. Uh, during his 2005 campaign... Bloomberg gave the Independence Party $250,000 to support his campaign. The group utilized the funds to create a large phone bank set up right across the street from City Hall to target some 80,000 city voters not registered with any political party. By October of that year, Bloomberg had spent $102 million on his campaign. Mm. And then in October 2008... Bloomberg announced that he would seek to extend the city's term limit laws and run for a third mayoral term in 2009. Oh, no. He argued that a leader in business was needed during the Wall Street financial crisis.
1: Mm.
0: Quote, "...handling this financial crisis while strengthening essential services is a challenge I want to take on." Bloomberg said at the time, I don't like it. Well, no one likes it. Well, that's not true. Bloomer I don't like liked it. it Bloomer like it a lot. Was super into it. But so you see, in 1993 and 1996, voters had imposed limits of two four-year terms on elected city officials. Ronald Louder of Estee Louder, hmm. hmm. a fellow billionaire who campaigned for those term limits, had spent over four million dollars of his own money to limit the maximum years a mayor could serve to eight years. Funding TV ads that compared politicians to diapers. (laughs) Saying both needed to be changed often and for the same reason. (laughs) Like, it's hacky, but I don't know that I disagree
1: with him. Also, when I think of Estee Lauder, I don't think of a guy named Ronald. Ronald Lauder.
0: I thought it was a woman and her name was Estee. I know nothing about Estee Lauder. Continue. Other than it's French? Mm -hmm. French? Um... Ronald. So only after louder signaled his support for a one-time exception for Bloomberg because of that financial crisis, you mm-hmm. see, Bloomberg announced his plan to overturn the voter referendum with an act of the city council. Not only did louder decide to side with Bloomberg, he agreed to stay out of future legality issues. Mm. So nice of him. Mm-hmm. But I prop... Ginger, it's not that hinky. Okay. It's nope. only a one-time exception. Though city lawyers did indicate that a one-time change could be illegal because politicians would be voting on a bill that benefits themselves. But mm. what's hinky about that? What's hinky about that? Anyway, if the council passed a permanent change to the law... Bloomberg promised to name Ronald Lauder, you know, that guy that used his own fortune to make sure that the city had term limits and then was supporting Bloomberg's push for a third term as a one-time exception, to a board called the Charter Revision Commission, which is really hard to say. Don't make me say it again. Mm. This commission... Which which commission? <clears throat> the CRC. okay. They would decide whether to put the issue about the third term option on the ballot for voters. A matter that it pursued would go on the 2010 November ballot to, quote, avoid confusion with the mayor's race in 2009, according to a mayoral spokesperson. Hmm. So people will be able to vote on it. But after we've changed the law. Oh. And, you know, later, we don't want to confuse people with the mayoral election. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Okay. While the move stirred up considerable controversy, as well it fucking should have, Bloomberg did have quite the roster lined up in support of him. Thirty elite New Yorkers included David Rockefeller, JP Morgan Chase chief executive Jamie Diamond, and former Secretary of State Henry Kissinger himself published an open letter urging the city council to extend the term limits. Woof <laughs> which is like Pretty much if any of those people say, like, we want, we support this person, you know that person's pure evil. I mean, it's a real who's who <laughs> of the eighth circle of hell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. So on October 23rd, 2008, the city council voted 29 to 22 in favor ex- of extending the term limit to three consecutive four-year terms which allowed Bloomberg to run for mayor a third time. Okay. So after two days of public hearings, Bloomberg, again, still mayor, signed the bill into law on November 3rd. So now he jumped right into two- the 2009 mayoral race, eventually defeating his opponent by a vote of 51 to 46%. That was a percentage.
1: Not just total votes. Not total votes.
0: How, how much money would that be per vote? Well, this time, Bloomberg spent $109.2 million on his campaign, outspending his opponent by a margin of more than 11 to 1. Cool. Remember that Independence Party? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, in January 2010, they released their campaign filings which showed that Bloomberg had made two $600,000 contributions from his personal account to the Independence Party in 2009. There was also another $1.7 million in personal donations to Republican and other political committees that was not funneled through his campaign committee. But whatever, the dude won. It's it's fine. It's fine. Kinder. it's fine. Everything's fine. Let me drink some cider. Because everything's fine. So we know that Bloomberg was elected three times and spent ever-increasing amounts of his personal fortune to buy the elections. I mean, fund his campaigns. But what was Mayor Bloomberg really like? Well, firstly, this is a little side note. He decided to break with 190 years of tradition and implemented a bullpen-style office, otherwise known as the Open Office Plan. Hmm. No one likes that, Mike. No one likes those. He apparently um, decided to uh, implement that as a reflection of what he used to do at Bloomberg LP. Be- <laughs> because that was going so well <laughs> going for everyone. so well. He's going to run the mayor's office like he did Bloomberg LP. Yeah. I'd do her. <laughs> So as, as heinous as that is, let's get into the actual meat of it. After the September 11th attacks, and with assistance from the Central Intelligence Agency, Bloomberg's administration oversaw a controversial, quote, suspicionless domestic surveillance program that secretly surveilled Muslim communities. That sounds like him. According to the ACLU the NYC Police Department's Intelligence Division engaged in the religious profiling and suspicionless surveillance of Muslims in New York City and beyond. This surveillance singled out Muslim religious and community leaders, mosques, student organizations, businesses, and individuals. Just as a note, no similar operation was conducted against institutions or individuals belonging to any other religious faith or the public at large. Do you see the shock on my face? <laughs> Where's the void pillow? I don't know where that.
1: It's over here. Blunk off to. I I I had to crane my head so far back to silently <laughs> scream that I've lost my glasses. So I don't know where anything <laughs> you did,
0: is. You did lose your glasses. Um, the purported rationale for this program was laid out in a 2007 NYPD report titled "Radicalization in the West: The Homegrown Threat." thinks I already hate it? (laughs) (laughs) So let's go through uh, some highlights. Muslims in the U.S. are more resistant, but not immune to the radical message. Despite the economic opportunities in the United States, the powerful gravitational pull of individuals' religious roots and identity Sometimes supersedes the assimilating nature of American society, which includes pursuit of a professional career, financial stability, and material comforts. Hold up, hold up, hold up. (laughs) Red.
1: Yes. Is it possible that Michael Bloomberg doesn't understand
0: what gravity is? (laughs) I mean, that's probably very true. Like, that's probably the very. The gravitational pull of religion and identity, and it's going to supersede wanting financial stability and material comforts, because that's America. Maslow's hierarchy (laughs) of gravitational pull. (laughs) As these individuals adopt Salafism, which is essentially radical Islam, is what they're referring to. They just use a different term. I'll use radical Islam in this case. As these individuals adopt radical Islam, typical signatures include giving up cigarettes, drinking, gambling, and urban hip-hop gangster clothes. (laughs) Wearing traditional Islamic clothing, growing a beard, and becoming involved in social activism and community issues. So... so, so. (laughs) Oh, yes, God forbid
1: they, like, become involved in their communities and, like, and not grow a beard. drink and grow a beard. Like,
0: yeah, that those are indicators of radical Islam. For,
1: it sounds like every man
0: I know in his 30s, but... This is why my husband will never convert to radical Islam, because he can't grow he a beard. He cannot grow a beard. He can't. He can grow a goatee. Mm. But it's those cheeks. Those cheeks remain baby-smooth. Baby-smooth. Baby baby-smooth. Those keep him away from the radical Islam. He's just... <laughs> He's just doesn't. He's just a Muslim who doesn't eat pork. <laughs> that's as basic. That's basically as far as he goes. And he ha- he will never give up drinking. <laughs> does he know he's Jewish then? <laughs> no, but he he and your husband can have a conversation. Okay. I really want to see him now at a very traditional Jewish wedding, holding someone up on a chair. <laughs> so. Um, The NYPD used several methods to spy on the city's Muslim population, including mapping those communities by ancestries of interest Mm. and video and and photo surveillance. They also used informants called mosque crawlers, mm, who were instructed by police to attend mosques to report on sermons, provide names of attendees, and take pictures. Employing a method called create and capture, informants were encouraged to create conversations about jihad or terrorism and bait others to say inflammatory things, and then capture and report those responses to police. That's called entrapment. Yep. Just because it's brown Muslim folks doesn't make it less entrapment. Just because you've named them, like, the coolest X-Men... (laughs) <laughs>
1: Moss crawlers Moss doesn't make it
0: not entrapment. Well, they have ancestries of interest. Ginger, I wonder what that means. <laughs> uh, and then you had the rakers, who were plain clothes NYPD officers, who were sent to Muslim communities where they can blend in, quote, consistent with their ethnicity and or language. They were to take names, listen in on conversations, and identify Muslim hot spots. For example, listening on a conversation at a Lebanese cafe could also be useful, one Raker testified, because that may be an indicator of possibility that there is a sympathizer to Hezbollah at a Lebanese cafe. Mm. Hezbollah. Mm. Hmm. I would like an espresso and a Hezbollah. Hezbollah. <laughs> <laughs> The program was exposed in 2011 by the Associated Press in a Pulitzer Prize-winning series of investigative reports. When the news broke, Bloomberg staunchly defended the program, saying, The police department goes where there are allegations, and they look to see whether those allegations are true. Remember, there were no allegations. They were just brown and Muslim people. Bloomberg continued to defend the program despite widespread outrage. Though, I, I should point out, Not everyone was so critical. In fact, then 2016 presidential candidate Donald Trump Uh, praised the program, uh, calling it great! uh, So, see, uh, there's really two sides to every issue. (laughs) uh, If Donald Trump thinks it was a good idea, it's not a good idea. I should mention that the surveillance program didn't produce a single lead to any terrorist plot and never led to a single terrorist investigation. If this is too inflammatory,
1: like you, again, you can cut it out. But like, one of the main reasons that I am at best agnostic at worst atheist is like, because God in history did not put Donald Trump, Mike Bloomberg and Jeffrey Epstein <laughs> on a boat in in like 2002 and sink it far into into the Hudson River.
0: It was right there for you. The goddess works in mysterious ways. The program was eventually discontinued in 2014. Since then, the NYPD has settled at least three lawsuits pertaining to the program, most recently in April 2018. Under that settlement... Law enforcement agreed to end profiling based on race or religion or ethnic background. Good. Yeah. Appoint a civilian representative and develop new policies and training materials for its intelligence bureau with input from the Muslim community. Good. Good. As well as pay out more than $1 million in damages and legal fees. Bloomberg has yet to apologize. There we go. Bloomberg was also a proponent of large-scale development. As mayor, he oversaw the most extensive rezoning in modern city history, rezoning about 40% of the city. While more than 170,000 affordable units were financed between 2002 and 2013, the cost of housing in the city kept climbing rapidly. Median rents rose in New York by 19% between 2002 and 2011. Mm. One 2013 report found that about two-thirds of the city's recently developed affordable housing Required occupants to have minimum income levels that were higher than the median household income in the areas where the housing was built. Oh no. Which is... Not, not how that works. Not how that works. More than half of all New Yorkers are considered rent burdened. His track record with the New York City Housing Authority, or NYCHA, was also... Bleh. Living conditions for the system's 400,000 low-income residents deteriorated under his watch, contributing to the need for more than $32 billion to replace broken elevators, antiquated boilers, and leaky roofs. Mm. In 2014, following years of disinvestment, the NYCHA had a $77 million budget deficit and $18 billion in unfunded capital needs. Oh dear. That deficit is just about what Bloomberg spent on just one of his mayoral bids. Mm, mm. But I digress. Mm. Underfunded and desperate to address the maintenance backlog, the city, still in the capable hands of Mayor Bloomberg, made the decision to stop checking for lead paint in public housing apartments. What could go wrong? Okay. (laughs) Okay.
1: I may be ahead of myself here. Like, if he is trying to maintain that he is a Republican, and, like, I get then why he would not, for instance, make personal contributions. But if he's a lifelong Democrat, why would he not run as a Democrat and then be the Daddy Warbucks to New York City and everybody would fucking love him forever? Here's the thing. Mike
0: Bloomberg is a Republican. He just doesn't hate gay people. Oh. Well, hmm. (laughs) That's really, it's all about the money.
1: Show me the money!
0: (laughs) But yeah, so they were just like, we're really busy. So we're just, um, we're too busy to check for all that lead paint. Sorry about that. So when city inspectors discovered that children were getting poisoned, uh, they ordered the housing authority to fix the problem. Their response... What do you think their response was?
1: Um, I think it was probably a well-thought-out response with a lot of compassion and care for human needs and dignity. You
0: are so right. They challenged the results of the tests, sent their own experts in with different tests, and said, Yeah, this child may have lead poisoning, but there's no lead paint here, huh? That's super weird. Anyway, we're going to threaten you with eviction later if you don't comply with lead-based paint regulations.
1: I suppose that's also an option that was available to them.
0: (laughs) Oh, boy. The nycha lead paint scandal broke out right after Bloomberg left office, which is just so convenient for him. Just convenient. I don't mean that he paid for it. I mean that in just a... (sighs) The goddess works in mysterious ways. The goddess works in mysterious ways. Bloomberg's campaign, this was his former presidential campaign, stated that no city devoted more energy and resources to combating homelessness than New York City during his time as mayor. I can already see your eyebrows escaping your forehead. So I'm going to guess that you disbelieve that a little bit. Which, yeah, that sounds fake. Particularly since during his three terms, the number of people in homeless shelters rose by 69%. Nice. nice. And
1: for- <laughs> <laughs> oh, I my. can't even see you, so that was, like, extra
0: beautiful. So, yeah, and for families, 80%. In 2005, an average of 840 new families sought shelter each month. In 2008, it was almost 2,000 families. Mm-hmm. In 2004, the Brick administration decided to adopt sweeping new policies intended to help homeless people into becoming more self-reliant. They would no longer get priority access to public housing and other programs, but would receive some short-term help with rent. The mayor argued that this would be empowering to poor people and give them that push they needed to just stop being homeless anymore. Oh, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just just stop being homes. You're not trying hard. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. That's what Bloomberg did when he was laid off. And only had ten million dollars. Oh.
1: Ten million dollar
0: bootstraps. Hey, ten million dollars in New York City, what's that gonna get you? Like a two-bedroom apartment in Manhattan? I mean fair, poverty. But also. <laughs> Clearly impoverished. But, no one told you life was well, going to be this way. But somehow, the total opposite happened. Rents rose, and low-income wages stalled out, and people found themselves stuck in the shelter system, languishing there longer than ever. Which makes perfect sense, really, because according to Bloomberg, those shelters offered a, quote, much more pleasurable experience than ever had before. What? Mm Mm-hmm. They were just really nice shelters. That's why people were just staying there longer. To that point, in 2002, Bloomberg's administration reopened an old jail in the Bronx as a temporary shelter for homeless families.
1: No. No.
0: (laughs) Including many with young children. (laughs) Ginger, don't worry about it. Four days later, the jail closed again. It was contaminated with lead-based paint.
1: God, his work's
0: mysterious. (laughs) She moves in mysterious ways. As the numbers grew, Bloomberg began exploring alternatives to this homelessness problem, including placing the homeless on decommissioned cruise ships. What? An idea his then 23 year old daughter Emma apparently suggested. That sounds right. (laughs) Then Department of Homeless Services Commissioner Linda Gibbs even flew out to the Bahamas on one of the mayor's private planes to tour a few luxury liners to see if they could be repurposed for this ingenious program.
1: <laughs> Stay with me now. Mhm. Mike Bloomberg. Mhm. Horny man. Mhm. Married so many times.
0: Actually, he hasn't. I think he's only married once.
1: Fine. He's just fucked many times. Fucked many times. Makes really, really poor decisions. Mm -hmm. So out of touch with the rent market in New York. Mm -hmm. Has a daughter named Emma. Mm -hmm. Are we sure
0: he's not Ross Geller? Have we seen them in the same room? We have not. Okay. I know what this theory. This theory has merits. This (laughs) needs to be explored. Um, if you think... <laughs> if you think about a cruise ship, it's exactly what you need, Bloomberg stated. Oh, sure. when, when the details of this fucking ridiculous-ass proposal leaked. <laughs> 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 Rooms with bathrooms that are safe, that we can afford, in a neighborhood we can use. A boat's not a neighborhood. <laughs> nope. Hey, you know, another way to tackle homelessness ending the wildly successful program that gave homeless families priority for federal rent vouchers and for housing authority apartments because the program was actually encouraging people to voluntarily become homeless. Oh, yeah. mm. Yeah, so we we nipped that in the bud. Don't you worry about that.
1: You know, all those people who were like, you know what would be just easier?
0: Just so much easier. Let's just not have homes. Let's just be homeless. Or... And, and hey, another brilliant plan. Okay, if those aren't happy, in 2000, (laughs) in July 2007, Bloomberg began giving people without homes one-way tickets on buses, trains, and planes out of the city. I'm surprised he didn't start with that. When people said, hey, what the ever-loving fuck are you doing? (laughs) He defended the program saying, It saves the taxpayers of New York City an enormous amount of money. It's horrific.
1: It is also something (laughs) that mayors around the country have been doing for years. That's like just sort of a low-key horrifying thing that happened. I'm sure that Giuliani was doing it for
0: many, many years. Hey, man. Prove me wrong. He's just trying to save the taxpayers money, okay? Mm. You know what's another way to save taxpayer money? charge homeless people rent. Yep. In 2010, it was discovered that the city was charging homeless people with jobs to live in homeless shelters. Mike, we need to talk. Well, remember, they're really nice. They're basically apartments. So, with this face, Ginger, don't worry. Okay, so when people did find out about it, Bloomberg did back off that program. He did say, whoopsie doodle. (laughs) So instead, the city decided to implement a pilot program that required homeless households with steady income to redirect a percentage, percentage of their earnings into a savings account that could then be accessed after leaving the shelter system. So then they just siphon off their savings. According to the then leader of the Coalition for the Homeless, Mary Bros- Bros- does not What I can't, sorry. Bloomberg, upset after talking to reporters about his very shit idea, Mm -hmm. snapped, The problem is these people need to learn how to save. Mike. Ginger, these people don't know how to save their money. If they just knew you put some in a savings account, then it would get get compound interest. This is basic. (laughs) In another terrible quote... In 2013, he said this about the city's requirement that anyone seeking shelter must be offered a bed. He was talking about this because he was hoping to implement a new regulation that you had to prove you were homeless before going to a homeless shelter. Oh,
1: sure, because people were doing that for, you know, holiday. Again,
0: you get your certificate of homelessness, and then you go to the homeless shelter and say, mm. here's my certificate, mm. I went through the full four-year program. He has been certified, notarized. Notarized. Um, you can arrive in your private jet at Kennedy Airport, take a private (laughs) limousine, and go straight to the shelter system and walk in the door and we've got to give you shelter. No. Mike. That's what the law is. I didn't write the law.
1: (laughs) She moves in mysterious
0: ways. (laughs) She moves in
1: mysterious ways. She moves in mysterious ways.
0: (laughs) Okay, so after all of that, I am finally getting to stop and frisk. Oh, boy! (laughs) In Bloomberg's first 10 years in office, the number of stop and frisk actions increased nearly 600% from what he inherited. In 2002, there were 97,296 stop and frisk stops made by New York City police officers. 82.4% of those resulted in no fines or convictions. The number of stops increased dramatically in 2008 to over half a million. 88% of those did not result in any fine or conviction. This peaked in 2011 with 685,000 stops. Again, with 88% of those resulting in no convictions. NYPD officers and activists have also objected publicly to the use of stop and frisk as a performance metric, which they claim encourage officers to overuse the practice because they had to like meet quotas or something. I've run out of white claw. We're, 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 we're in the, we're in the home stretch. So 90% of those stopped in 2017 were African American or Latino, mostly aged 14 to 24. (laughs) By contrast, only 54% of the population of New York is considered African American or Latino. It's almost as if there was racial profiling. What? (laughs) One Guardian article does a really great deep dive into the statistics regarding stop and frisk. So for example, in 2011 there were 190,000 recorded index crimes. So while the overall drop in crime from 1990 is 73%, the 600% increase in stops after 2002 translates into a relatively small net decrease in crime. In short, almost all of the crime drop that Bloomberg has cited as a defense of the program occurred before he ramped up stop and frisk. (laughs) Another claim made is that forcible stops will get guns off the street. The fact is that only 0.2% of stops yield guns. Furthermore, guns are more likely to be found on white suspects who are stopped. Yet about 90% of stops are minorities. Yeah, no one likes guns so much as white guys. That's, no one likes guns as much as white people. That's just facts. Mm. Bloomberg continued to support this program, only apologizing for stop and frisk just days before announcing his presidential candidacy. Kind of the way that Joe Biden never apologized to Anita Hill until like two days before he announced his candidacy and they laughed at his voicemail and said, fuck off. God has blessed, Anita Hill. In Febu- She moves in mysterious ways, too. Anita Hill moves in mysterious ways. To wrap this up, in February 2020, journalist Benjamin Dixon posted an audio clip of Bloomberg defending the stop and frisk policy during an address in 2015 at the Aspen Institute. And I'm going to ask you to not projectile vomit at all during this monologue. All right, I'm going to move the mic back, though, just to to be sure. 95% of murders, murderers and murder victims fit one MO. You can just take a description, Xerox it, and pass it out to all the cops. They are male minorities 16 to 25. That's true in New York. That's true in virtually every city. And that's where the real crime is. You've got to get the guns out of the hands of people that are getting killed. You want to spend the money on a lot of <laughs> Yeah, that is a weird fucking point. You want to spend the money on a lot of cops in the streets. Put those cops where the crime is, which means minority neighborhoods. So one of the unintended consequences is people say, "Oh my god, you're arresting kids for marijuana that are all minorities." Yes, that's true. Why? Because we put all the cops in minority neighborhoods. Yes. That's true. Why do we do it? Because that's where all of the crime is. And the way you get the guns out of kids' hands is to throw them up against the wall and frisk them. And then they start, oh, I don't want to get caught, so they don't bring the gun. They still have a gun, but they leave it at home.
1: Mike, you're saying the quiet parts out loud.
0: He sure did say that part out loud, like, soups oh, out loud, super out loud. Oh and there's certain parts in this that I find, I do find really funny. Like, you've got to get the guns out of the hands of people getting killed. Yeah. And it's like, isn't that, <laughs> isn't that where you want the guns to, for, for self-protection? I thought you were a Second Amendment person. I thought like, you were a Republican? Right? I thought you were all about, like, Second Amendment rights, but uh, never mind, they're black people. Oh, um, Jesus. but then, like, this idea about, like, you know, again, throwing kids up against the wall makes me, like, physically, ugh. Yeah, that's but then, not a good look. But then, he's again, this idea, they still have a gun, but they leave it at home. So it's like, so what? that's cool. <laughs> You're not getting guns off the streets. You're, You're just, just like... <laughs> relegating them to domestic violence murders. <laughs> it's just like, they're just all in, they're all in their dresser drawers. Oh. <laughs> all the guns. What? So, in short... Mike Bloomberg was a shit CEO, a shit mayor, and is a shit person.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately does not continue to be a shit presidential
0: candidate. My God, I'm Because so the con- goddess works in... Anita Hill works in mysterious ways. Anita Hill ways. works in mysterious ways. <laughs> Holy fuck. So that, my friends, is Mike Bloomberg. Well 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 <laughs> <laughs> like literally those last five minutes you had escaped to another plane you would actually project it out of your body yeah, to try to escape my those words Those were a
1: good five minutes this were a quiet five minutes
0: yeah my my sister was very helpful in like kind of reviewing this to try to help me edit and it was definitely like all the 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 campaign stuff definitely her eyes were like ugh And, like, there was that, like, one wrinkle in between her brow. But then, particularly when we got to the lead-based paint stuff, her eyes just started, like, expanding and expanding. (laughs) Like, not to go off on too much of a tangent,
1: but people really treat lead-based paint as, like, this, like, (laughs) okay, like, really abstract thing. Like, no. I... Work in adult institutions for people with developmental disabilities, and you would be really horrified to know how many of those kids were like.
0: Eating lead chips.
1: They were, they were all eating lead chips, and they were all fine before, and then like they are in institutions with like no real way to participate in outside society because
0: of like slum landlords. Hey, man, if you don't follow lead-based paint regulations, you're going to get evicted, okay? Shape up. Ren. Yes. I need a self-care plan. Same. All right. Let's talk emergency self-care, specifically ways to take care of yourself in a crisis. Okay. If you can manage it, go to sleep. This is a lot easier said than done. No, that's just my go to strategy. I feel so validated. <laughs> but it is easier said than done, particularly if your brain's in crisis mode. Try breathing exercises, or meditation, or seizing the means of production from the bourgeoisie. <laughs> and if you can't fall asleep, don't stress yourself out. Just chill out, close your eyes. And remember that Mike Bloomberg is already seventy-eight and not long for this earth. Mm-mm. Just mm. mm-hmm. Anita Hills, I will be done. <laughs> <laughs> and remember, self-care is a process—something that takes care and time and a bit of preparation, like a violent uprising against the wealthy elite. And there's my self-care. Yep. Oh boy, <laughs> I'm kind of glad this these this episode's over yeah just because like yeah i have spent first of all that was by far i have like 30 different citations it is an abs it's an absolute mess of citations you kids are gonna have so much fun with the show notes and like it i it probably took me about six to seven hours to research
1: (laughs) you're gonna really enjoy my like (laughs) relatively zippy
0: <laughs> next one oh boy it's Hattie. just been it's it, it just was a task and that task is over and that's going to be all for us this week if you like what you're hearing you should check us out at thisfnguypod.com
1: or on twitter at thisfnguypod or donate to our patreon because we are poor and 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 we now have a Facebook page. Woo-hoo! Yay. Uh, it is this fucking guy, uh, spelled out because for some reason they don't allow asterisks. Who the fuck knows? Um, or add this FN guy pod, uh, on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something and that's that something, something you should join.
0: You should absolutely it's like So that many page. quality memes. I mean, you are a meme queen. I am the meme queen. As always. I am Ren Martinez. And I'm Ginger Gollop. Here's a bonus self-care tip. Stay six feet the fuck away from me. And don't be this fucking guy. Peace!
1: This fucking guy.